Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA high school soccer championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. 4-7 senior writer, Brian Christofferson. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little bit of a circus act. Brian Christofferson. Well, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Brian Christofferson. <laughs> I, I kind of enjoy that. Here is Brian Christofferson. Kicking off hour number two here on Herd at Sports Radio AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. We are joined now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline by Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7. BC, how are you this morning? I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are you? We are doing well, you know, just uh, spending a little bit of time in the uh, Super 6 that you guys put out this morning. Um, we'll get to some, some Nebraska basketball, too, but I wanted to start here because we were just talking about it in the previous segment. I know you had Dylan Rayola at one. There were a couple guys that didn't. Um, is there? Can you come up with an explanation for me? And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. For the guys that didn't put Dylan Rayola at one, can you kind of understand a line of thinking that would get them there? Um, they need to answer from you under intense questioning i would say (laughs) (laughs) no i'm messing with them i am i do have a little bit of an echo in my phone i just wanted to let you guys know i'm having a little trouble okay no worries bc uh we appreciate you you're working through that with us here um you know, in the in the final, Jamal Banks was not included in the uh, or were, did not make the cut on the voting for the Super Six. Were you surprised at all that a guy that I think people have pretty high expectations from uh, did not make the cut there? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, in his case, and some of the transfers, I wonder if some people left him off because they're only going to be in the program a year or two. Sometimes guys like to do it the more traditional way where you pick someone who has about four seasons. So uh, that might have been the reason on that one. But Micah Mazuka did get in there, I saw. And uh, as we heard from Matt Rule the other day, he's got some work to do. So uh, we'll, we'll see if some people maybe wish they had a different vote than they, uh, than they had. Now, BC, uh, I, my favorite on this list is always the sleeper because you know you can look at the super six and just think okay a majority of people are probably saying uh the same thing but when you get to the sleeper it's just like okay that's what that's the long shot everybody just kind of just throws something at the wall and and hopes it sticks you landed on donovan jones why 
I think he uh, falls into the sleeper category for sure because he hasn't been talked about as much, um, you know, as some of the other guys. And I just I love what he did his senior season at Omaha North. I mean, he was just a playmaker. Um, you know, he had to play in a state title game where he makes an incredible catch, like in overtime, to help his team win. I know this coaching staff fell in love with him when he showed up to the uh, summer camp, and he just uh, he wowed him. And I, I thought he just put up uh, put up, put it up on film his last year, and can be a versatile guy in the defense. So, um, what's interesting about the sleeper is everybody's got like a different sort of interpretation of what that rep- represents and somebody's sleeper is sometimes somebody's like third or fourth guy on the list so that's always kind of fun uh but donovan jones to me is like a true sleeper i don't think he gets as much love in the class as some others um and but i mean i was joking for anybody who didn't pick dylan ryle up by the way i, I understand that, it, that opinions are making it go around i don't know if we've ever had a unanimous pick um, at number one, so that would have been a first, I think. Um, but everybody on there has got something to prove, whether you're Dylan Riola, who's the most uh, highly touted guy, or, to your question, one of the sleepers like a Donovan Jones, um, you know, or a Braylon Prude or somebody like that. Um, you all got to do it at a different level now uh, than high school, and whatever you're rated before, it, it doesn't matter. So that's that's one of the beauties of it. We're talking with Brian Christopherson of Husker 24-7. BC, one of the more interesting names that you included on your list was Willis McGahee. Um, I I am intrigued by him a lot, but give me a little bit of your thinking of of why you included him. Um, I wanted to bring in one of the Miami guys, and he was sort of my favorite throughout the cycle just in talking to him and the confidence he has. I think he's a determined um, guy um, in the sense that whenever I would interview him, you know, he would always get asked by other people about his, his dad and all that. And, you know, he, he loves his family, but I understand this guys like him have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because every story that gets written about them, it feels like during the recruiting process is always like son of a NFL star, or hurricane legend, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> it's like attached to every article or every it, with, within the first five or six sentences of every story about them. And I, I was talking to him about that in December and he's just like, I just want to carve my own path. You know, it's not, you know, he's thankful for the way his family has been behind him and all that, but he wants to, to, to make his own way on the football field. He's excited to do it on a different side of the ball than his father did, uh, playing linebacker. I think there's an opening for one of the young backers to maybe uh, force their way into the two deep, you know, whether it be him or like Vincent Shavers is already gaining weight and, and I think enjoying himself here. So. I thought it was kind of between him and Shavers. I like both of them, and I, I ended up just going with McGay because I sort of had a better feel for a longer time about him than Shavers, who I just sort of got to know at the end of the recruiting process. So that was my reasoning. Um, when you get to five or six, uh, it's always tough for me because there's like three or four or people I could put in there. Like I didn't have Caleb on mine, Caleb Benning, and I – I think Caleb's like a surefire, like going to contribute guy in this program. So, 
No, and I'm not covering my tracks because of Damon. I actually think that. But I, my point is I always get um, – when I get to, like, five through nine on that list, if anybody does the exercise, I think there's always somebody like, oh, man, I wish you were, I could have him there, you know. But you got to cut it off somewhere, I guess. Well, BC, we we heard from Coach Rule yesterday, and, you know, he, he mentioned something about the quarterbacks and maximizing reps at all positions, and that's kind of been his thing since his arrival. The ones that probably need the most reps are those quarterbacks. However, we all know the guy winning the job, and if it's not him, then this state may burn down. In terms of maximizing those reps, though, what are you hoping to see from Rayo? You can first lay eyes on him in the spring. Um, I've always said, you know, it, it's hard in the spring for fans and media to to get uh, their fill or get exactly what they need to be satisfied or think like things are just going to turn the corner. But you know, the time we do get to see this team, the spring game, I've always cautioned people like don't overread into it. Um, be careful with it and yet at the same time I would say right now when they get to that spring game in April um, you want to you want to see um, a cleaner version of the offense than you saw a season ago while understanding it's kind of vanilla still they're working through things but if you remember last year's spring game uh, actually was sort of a setup of things to come. And at the time, you could kind of wave your hand at it and say, well, it's, it's April, it's fine, they'll get it figured out. But turnovers and just, like, unforced errors were a big part of it. And in previous scrimmages last spring, you heard the same thing. Like, Rule would come in and really like the intensity of guys, but they were having turnover issues and um, fumbling snaps and stuff like that. And it ends up, you know, translating to September right away and they never really got over it so um, I would just want to see like when, when we get our opportunities to put eyes on it um, you know hopefully a little bit cleaner operation where they have some stuff they feel comfortable about the unforced errors are a, a little bit less and uh, if there are turnovers which there will be um, you know it's, half the time it's more of a great play by the defense and then just here you go so um, that's one of the biggest things is you want to kind of hear like a, a, a cleaner spring, not, not just in the spring game, but when Rule talks to the media about scrimmages and things like that. BC, it's kind of funny because I, you know, I agree with you that you can't put much, too much stock in the spring game. You don't want to read too much into it and all that. But you're also right in that the spring game offense played out almost exactly how the regular season offense did last year. So it's kind of it's kind of hard to talk out of both sides of my mouth with that. But um, I wanted to touch on something else that Rule said yesterday. You know, he's talking about he got asked about the walk on class, and he talked a lot about how you know he was a walk on, and a lot of the for, the the coaching staff is former walk ons, and how. Um, he thinks there's maybe three or four walk-ons in this class that will end up being starters one day. Obviously, there's a couple guys that had scholarship offers of other places that chose to walk on at Nebraska. But when he says something like that, are there some names that pop to the front of your mind in terms of guys you think might fit that mold? Um, they, they, they've got some really interesting guys um, like that are technically not walk-ons that – um, you know, are basic, ba- or they technically are walk-ons, but basically 
um, would be scholarship guys anywhere else, like you mentioned. And, um, you know, Prescott, Camir Prescott is actually not like a scholarship guy at the moment. And that's, that's a steal, like in the class. And like, it, it's, we're in a weird time. I guess where I would take this question is, um, you know, we used to be really fired up about like the 85 man roster. And I know people still kind of pay attention to it. And, and Rule was joking about how like, you know, he gets stopped on the streets, like how are you going to fit the numbers, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Um, it's, to me, it's diminished in its value to us on the outside of like what the who, what the difference is between a guy who has a scholarship and a guy who's uh, on NIL money and a guy who isn't. You know, maybe just a, a walk on guy. But you know, Riker Evans is an interesting athlete. Like yeah, if you're talking about just like pure walk ons, um, you know, he he's like guys like that who just like put up a, a lot of numbers at, at lower levels are always intriguing. Like Rowdy Bauer, an athlete at Norfolk, you, those guys sometimes just pop up out of nowhere and suddenly in like their second or third year, um, they're making plays. But then there's like Jordan Ochoa, like the edge defender from, you know, out of Colorado. Um, and he'd be a scholarship guy at a lot of places. And uh, he's, he's, I would classify him in that walk-on category at the moment. Um, so, But I like the fact that it's hard to tell now. I like that the lines are blurred between who's what a little bit because that's sort of the way it should be. That's the way Nebraska has always thrived, honestly, even though we did have the 85 in front of us. It was always kind of cool when, you know, you, you saw players come up who's like, yeah, that guy – I, I forget he's even a walk-on, you know, like John Bullock, like, oh, yeah, he was a walk-on, um, you know, guys like that. It, I think they have shown that uh, there is a path to playing under the staff, and the staff doesn't really give two figs about how you came in and what your label was. It's just like, what can you do when you get on the field and, and, and run with your opportunity? BC, Nebraska has the 18th-ranked recruiting class in the country, and I got asked this last night. Think that actually means something, or is it just a number? Oh, it's just a number for now. I mean, it always feels good to have a top-20 class. Um, we've seen it before. We've seen other coaches get top-20, 20, top-25 classes, and now you got to develop and you got to win some more games. And I've always said, what would that recruiting class be like not that the staff cares about their rankings. I don't think they do that much. But, like, let's say Nebraska won nine games. Like, where could they maybe get this class? In you know, the t- could they be like more in that top fifteen category with some guys? You kind of wonder that. But I've always said, um, going back to the Polini era, if if they're in the top twenty five, um, they've given themselves, I think, usually enough material, and they've had it. Um, to have a shot to, to win their share of games. It's just a matter of can that guy get better from his first to second year, and then by his fourth year you think, like, yeah, he's, he's really – every year I've seen that guy get better. And I think for too long Nebraska was stagnant there. Like, there would be good three-, four-star recruits, and you might see some flashes early, and then it felt like it kind of just evened out for them. And uh, this is where you want to see, like – I, I thought it was encouraging, like, last year, like Bryce Benhart, who was a big-time recruit when he came out long ago, and it felt like he'd been kind of on the same plane for a while. And then last year was really good, you know. I thought it was a big step for him under this staff with conditioning and nutrition and 
um, just his play on the field. So you're hoping that that's a sign, like guys like him developed, and, and now you're going to see it in younger players. And we'll be able to tell in the trenches within a year or two because there's some really promising players you would have high hopes for on the O-line and D-line. It's just a matter of what do those guys look like in a couple of years. We don't have to see them all right away now, but uh, you want to hear a little bit about them and then in a couple of years see that they're, uh, they're contributing, contributing in some way. We're talking with Brian Christofferson from Husker 24-7. All right, BC, we're going to change gears here on you to go to Nebraska basketball. Um, We've talked a lot about uh, the season in general, what's left on the schedule. Um, Obviously, there are road woes and all that this morning. We haven't gotten a ton into the game itself, so that's where I want to start with you. Obviously, things got off the rails pretty early against Northwestern, and they were never really able to get things back on track. In your mind, as you're watching that, what went wrong for Nebraska that they weren't able to correct? I didn't have any trust that they could get a defensive stop, really. And even when they did force a miss, if you look at the offensive boards, they were stacking up even by the first or second media timeout. Like Northwestern had like four or five already on the offensive glass by the eight-minute mark. Ended up 13-3. to in offensive rebounds favoring Northwestern. Then you compile that with Nebraska having 17 turnovers. And I think at one point it was like 22 to nothing points off turnovers. It ended up, I think, 26-7. But it was just a landslide there. So Hoiberg always talks about the big two, turnovers, rebounding, win one, and you at least got a chance. Nebraska didn't win either. And so you got the result you did. And I, I just felt like defensively and on the glass, for whatever reason, this crew just struggles. Um, you know, it's, Illinois obviously was a down-the-wire game you wish you had in your pocket now. But in uh, most every other one, it feels like it's been a, it's been pulling teeth to try to get some rebounds. And, um, you know, it was just a sloppy game, too, by Nebraska. Like, the 17 turnovers, some of them were just careless, you know, like uh, lazy passes that get intercepted for dunks and, uh, trying to one-hand catch stuff and without authority, and they, they take it away. And then Boo Booey got his revenge, you know, and I was a little worried about that for Nebraska because they had shut him down the first game, and he's too good of a player usually to get twice. And uh, he was ready for Nebraska, and uh, he let him know about it too a little bit. BC, four out of the next seven are at home. Thank goodness. But let's scenario build. Yeah. Fill in the blanks. The Huskers go dancing if, and the Huskers won't go dancing if. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I think they go dancing if they win. I feel good if they win six more games. And I'm not saying six of seven. I'm saying five of seven and one in um, Minneapolis at the tournament tournament, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so five of seven, I'm feeling okay about things. Like they, they, they got a good shot. I mean, it's going to be interesting though. It's a good question because, like, there's wins that you hope hold up well. Uh, like you know, Purdue is going to, and I was pretty feeling pretty good about Wisconsin holding up. But you know, they're on a skid now, and if they, if they kind of just keep going that way. Uh, you worry about what quad certain wins fall under and all that stuff. But um, hopefully they get their act together. Uh, Kansas State getting their act together would help 
things, which obviously beating Kansas was good the other night, but they, they had been on a losing streak. Uh, so I think five of seven, though, for Nebraska, and they just got to worry about themselves. And uh, really, they got to they gotta lock up the vault, and I think they got to put away the narrative that they can't win one game on the road. There's a lot of teams in the country that struggle to win away from home, and they only win a couple maybe in their conference. But right now, what's attached to Nebraska is that over. And if Nebraska had even one of those games, you know, that they've, you know, Rutgers, Minnesota, Illinois, take your pick, um, it'd be a different conversation, I feel like, even this morning. It's all is not lost. I, I told people before this four game stretch that just finished, like, this is dangerous. And I was worried they might be five and eight. They're six and seven in the league, but you got to go home and you can't expect anything's a given you can't just say oh michigan's had a tough go of it this year uh those are two wins like we saw last night you know michigan as bad as it's been for them they've got material on their roster on a given night they can beat somebody like they beat wisconsin so nebraska's got to come to ball out saturday and then they get a bye sort of until they play for a week and you get a chance to get your legs under you and then you got to roll. But they got to, like, really have a determined, like, couple of days and understand and then almost treat it like season's on the line, guys. Like, you got to go get this one, not uh, get a scab against Michigan heading into this break. And if you're 7-7 seven and seven in the league, then people feel a little bit better. And then, you know, got to beat Penn State, Minnesota, and Rutgers at home. The road games are, what, Ohio State and Indiana. So you got – Michigan, those are three games where maybe you can win two of those three. It sets up that way, but you just can't look at it like um, this is going to be easy. You got to go into every game like it's uh, like it is Wisconsin or Purdue on the other side against you. BC, I'm I'm curious, are you more encouraged or discouraged by the fact that a lot of what went wrong in the loss to Northwestern last night was? not necessarily like shot making stuff like that but maybe more focus and effort things they looked pretty sluggish you mentioned the the kind of sloppiness on passes i mean northwestern jumped a ton of passing lanes last night and pretty easily so you know those are fixable things theoretically but uh, is that a is that a concern for you that some of those things have started to fall apart um, a little bit. I, I'll be honest. I'm not making excuses for him. I wasn't that surprised last night. I didn't like like it going in. Like how this set up. Like you, it was. You know, you had a team in Northwestern that felt like their their backs were to the wall a little bit, and had to win at home. You had a determined like top point guard in the league who was like ready to show out after you know Nebraska got him the first game. And then you had Nebraska coming off a short prep, you know, where they almost had it against Illinois in a very emotional game. I just, a lot of stuff lined up that the the performance didn't surprise me. I don't think it's lack of effort ever with these guys. I know sometimes it appears, it can appear that way in sports, like when you're just so sloppy and you, you're not quite, um, you know, as speedy as you need to be with how you, you pass the ball and how you handle it on the offense. Um I just, I just think like sometimes they pay a price, and it seems to happen, especially on the road. And we've talked about it for not having maybe that true point guard. And it goes back to, I mean, they thought they had that true point guard 
um, like an Aaron Euless, you know, like mm-hmm. when, when they got him and he, he's not available right now, he's still on this team, but not available this year. And, you know, without him and like sort of that, that steady, like he's a natural at this position guy. I just think there's a price to be paid for it sometimes on the road. And it feels like it, it and teams know that they, they want to pressure Nebraska heavy and make sure like, you know, like how, how can you really handle the ball? Like, you know, how are your handles, you know, Bryce Williams or whomever? Like, let's, let's, let's put the heat on you and see. And, and occasionally it, it led to some disruptive things. And last night, it was just too constant with it. So it was a very disappointing game. And yet, they, this morning, they have to be like, moved on completely, like even right now. I mean, I think their mind has to be like, all right. There's seven games left this regular season. We're supposed to be the favorite in most of these games. Let's go prove that's a true thing. Brian Christopherson, Husker 24-7. We appreciate your time. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys.